Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first annual Philly Blitz Draft Blitz. Uh, we have a uh, very, very special uh, guest here today, along with uh, our regulars, with me, Parth Shukla. Uh, we got Pierre uh, Quell, and we got Coach Taggart here. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. How you doing? Doing well. Can't complain. Appreciate you guys having me on again. Of course, man. Of course, oh, man. Like the coach. So, guy. talk some Eagles today, right? Uh, <laughs> we're going to, I guess, like as a little bit of an overview for everybody, we're going to start off with, uh, you know, five positions of need that everybody thinks, uh, you know, our personal preference for the Eagles. And then, you know, we're going to move on to, you know, we have a very big year coming up with, uh, with three first round picks. So I'm going to discuss that a little bit and in uh, the opportunities that we have coming up for us this April. Uh, and then we're going to just uh, talk about what's going around the league and uh, and maybe get into a little bit of a, a mock draft here for you guys. But uh, really exciting stacked episode coming up. But uh, let's get started. How you guys uh, how you guys feeling? What's uh, what are some positions that we we really need to get to for the Eagles to get to the next level? Um, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, so for me, I think number one, of course, uh, this linebacker, I think that's the most bare from a, a talent perspective on the roster. Um, besides really TJ Edwards, um, let me pull up the depth chart. Uh, TJ Edwards, um, who they re-signed, Jannard Avery, who he's kind of, to me, he kind of is what he is. Um, Alex Singleton, Sean Bradley, none of these guys are people who you can really, I guess, depend on consistently. Um, so I think they, they need to add talent there. But I don't really expect them with Howie Roseman and his draft philosophy. I don't really expect them to um, target one in the first round. But um, this draft is pretty deep. So they'll be likely be able to get one um, in this draft. Um, number two, of course, is a defensive end uh, with the expected departures of Ryan Kerrigan and Derek Barnett. Um, they'll need to add a ton more uh, depth there. And uh, we're doing five, right? Or three? Mm -hmm. Five, okay. Um the third, um, I said it was safety. Um, I just think they need to get younger there. Um, Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris are both going to be free agents. Um, they need some youth on the back end there. Uh, four, I had wide receiver. And to me, outside of um, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Dallas Goddard, there's virtually nothing there. Um, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about Jalen Rager um, and everything that's gone on with him. Um, Greg Ward, he is what he is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, they just need, they're going to need to add bodies there. And the last position I had was, um, offensive guard. Um, I know, I, uh, Isaac Sayamalu is supposed to be back next year, but I'm not sure. Um, like, cause what, what was his injury? I really forget. Liz Frank, right? Liz Frank. I, I know it was something with his yeah. foot. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, um, with those three, I mean, I mean, you got Landon Dickerson, but I, I think they just need to add someone there. So, those are my five. Definitely agree, agree with, with you for the most part. Um, if I had to get into my five, of course, as you said, I think we all should have a common agreement that the first line of defense should be fixing this linebacker position. Clearly, 
we got like, some workers there, but not enough production coming from the position. I mean, of course, down the line, TJ Edwards was able to earn himself an extension and show the team something worth keeping. I mean, Davion <laughs> Taylor has something going on until he got injured. Hopefully he gets back healthy. I mean, Alex Singleton is with Alex Singleton is, but for the most part, teams winning to games, picking on our linebackers. That was actual team's game plans. And you cannot have, like, I don't feel like if you want to be a contender more so in the NFC, especially when you got to go through teams like San Francisco and the Rams, who the wide zone offense will basically eat through your, your linebackers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So if you want to be successful in the NFC, you definitely have to upgrade at the linebacker position. After the linebacker position, I'd probably have to go edge. I mean, of course, Brandon Graham is getting up there in age. We have no clue what was about to go, go down with Derek Barnett. I mean, we have Josh Sweat, but for the most part, we need more bodies at the position. We Is there yeah. is there any way you can see them bringing back Derek Barnett? Oh, I don't, no. Me personally, I don't think so. I think God, Barnett's no. done. Barnett's yeah. done. I mean, I guess the only possible way I could see them bringing back Barnett, which I don't think will happen myself, is if he lingers around free agency for a while and doesn't get the deal that he preferably wants and wants to take a one-year deal, then I think we could see him back in Philly on a one-year deal. He signed probably about July, something about that nature. But that's about it. But, of course, as I said, definitely need to get – more bodies in that position between free agency and the draft. Of course, it's a deep class along the edge. Definitely expect Howie to make a move there. Third position would be tight end, actually. Mm. So, mm. tight end, I think if we're going to go and operate offense like we did this year, be predominantly a run first team, operate out of the, all of these 12 and 13 personnel sets, then we need to get another tight end beside Goddard who basically creates mismatches. Uh, we have a, a bunch of useful guys in place now, a bunch of guys who could be blockers, a bunch of guys who could probably get their hands on the ball, but you need somebody in place beside Goddard that was kind of like the Zach Ertz thing, where you basically create mismatches along the, the entire offense with these guys. You could sometimes spread them out as the X receivers, sometimes spread them out, use them down as a slap, even bring them in line and just run the ordinary 12 personnel, like we was just saying. But I do think they need somebody beside Dallas Goddard. I would have liked for that to be Tyree Jackson, of course. Tyree Jackson suffered that gruesome injury. Um, I'm not really sure how they feel about Stahl, but definitely some, a position to watch out for. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with this tight end class being so deep as well, if they took a fish somewhere in the second or third round at the position. But from there, wide receiver, of course, we've already spoken on how, what or the lack thereof that we got from Jalen Rager. Clearly, the position needs more. Some people may or may not feel that Quez Watkins should, could be a capable wide receiver, too, for this team. That would be something we discussed somewhere along the line. But it's clear as day that they need somewhere else to make a difference in the position. More so a veteran, because there's a, a, a whole lot of young bodies in that locker room, man. A whole lot of young bodies. And the way that this wide receiver group is looking out for free agency, I mean, 
it's more so a pick your flavor kind of thing. You don't necessarily have to come away with a superstar type of guy. No more so the Chris Godwins or anything of that nature. Michael Gallup. You could come away with a Juju Smith Schuster, the, 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 the wide receiver yeah. class, and free agency. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm not a big fan of that yeah. myself either. But I'm just saying there's <laughs> there are options if they want it. And I guess the last position would be safety. I feel like, once again, like I said, we need bodies there. I mean, I appreciate Rodney McLeod and everything he's done for the defense over his time. You appreciate the development you see this year from Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps actually played some phenomenal football this year. And Denard it was really Wilson. exciting to see. Denard Wilson did yeah. a good job with him. Honestly, I'm glad you brought him up because should Gannon be, be the one to take this job with the Texans, I think Denard Wilson is a name to watch out for for our uh, next yeah. defensive coordinator. Especially but, if they go if they go in house, they mm-hmm. go in house. Yeah. Yeah. But just still, you can use more talent at the position. I would like to see Kayvon Wallace get a bit more of an opportunity. Still, you want to bring in somebody else that could help push gas is going on of course you want to get a bit younger at the position as well so of course for the most part you just try to make it uh of the other definitely i mean all that makes sense i can understand all those um i mean what was that five yeah yeah it was yeah so i mean um to go next um i think we all kind of have similar uh, you know, positions of uh, of need. Um, but my first one was linebacker. You know, there's just no way that, you know, you could watch most of our games last season and not see the glaring need for a linebacker. I mean, and Alex Singleton is a, is a good dude and he racks up the tackles, but I mean, he's racking up tackles because he's getting everywhere late. You know, I like his hustle, but can't do it. TJ Edwards is He's legit, but I mean, he needs he needs somebody next to him. And I don't know if he can just, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good, you know, weak side linebacker. I think he needs you know, a, a strong mic with them. Um, and that's something that you could get in the draft. I know, like you mentioned, Pierre, it's not something historically, uh, it's not a position that we've gone after in the first round, but, you know, hopefully, you know, Howie has just kind of seen, you know, the way linebackers just change defenses that, you know, the league has evolved now and maybe it's time to evolve with our decision-making as well. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, there's just so much talent uh, at the, you know, in the in the first round at linebacker, I just hope we can get our hands on one of those guys because I really think they can really change, uh, you know, the entire face of your defense. Uh, and you know, especially if Gannon stays, uh, you know, we've we've talked about it before, but all the defenses, you know, where Gannon has worked, there have been linebackers who hold it down. When he was in Minnesota, there was Eric Kendricks. When he was in Indianapolis, there was Darius Leonard. You know, so these this defensive system needs a linebacker with you know range uh and you know the ability to get downhill and play in coverage and so especially we have especially especially if you're going to play as much too high as they did last year you have exactly. to have linebackers who can cover because all you're doing there as well as you're inviting another offense to run the football down your throat yeah. you take the extra guy out of the box so you need a dude you need a guy who can do both right and uh, and we just didn't have that. We have guys who can do either or. You know, Davion was looking good in coverage for times. You know, he had a good feeling for zone, which is really surprising considering he hadn't really played that much football. But then he got injured, uh, and then he couldn't. He, he can't play downhill as much. And then you know, T.J. Edwards looked better in coverage as the year went on. And you know, he I mean, he was our best linebacker in coverage. But he's not. No one's gonna tell you he's like a coverage linebacker, right? You know. So um, I think uh, 
the position after that uh, that I kind of think we need to go after is, is D-line. Um, I'm not being specific on, you know, interior or edge because I think there's going to be a need for both. Uh, if we, you know, we do have Javon and Milton Williams is, you know, looking great and, you know, he has a little bit of flexibility, but with this next year and uh, and the way things have been looking with Fletch and uh, shopping him uh, last uh, last offseason and, uh, you know, during trade season, you know, before the deadline, I don't know for sure if he's going to be here next year. And uh, and that leaves a big hole in our defense and the way that we play defense. So, you know, if a DeMarvin Leal drops, you know, a guy who has the ability to play both, you know, a little bit of defensive end, a little bit of, uh, of defensive tackle. I think you grab a guy like that because he brings some versatility to the defense and uh, and he's he could you can consider him a blue chip prospect, I'd say, um, on the on the D line. Uh, next, I have corner uh, Steven Nelson. He's on a one year deal. Right. And we got Slay for one more year. Right. On the current deal. Something like that. Maybe two. I think one more year. I one think. More, yes. Yeah. Because he signed so, a three year deal. Right. That was my yeah. thought. Yeah. So, you know, regardless, you know, he and he's getting, huh? Yeah. I think so. So, yeah. So, you know, historically, this is where corners have, you know, lost their ability a little bit. But, you know, I'm not saying that about big play slay because, you know, he's different and he's an offensive player, bro. I mean, seeing him at the Pro Bowl <laughs> was awesome. I mean, those videos were were hilarious. Just a little side note. But, uh but I really think that we need to shore up the CB2 position for this year and, and CB1 going forward. And, uh, and in the first round, if we can, if we can get our hands on a couple of those guys, I, I really like them. And, uh, you know, Kyrie Elam, Gator, he's going to be in the draft. And I think he'd be a really good fit too. Um, so I, I really, I really think, uh, we need to look at corner as a position and then, uh, still staying back there in the defensive backs. I think we need to go after a safety as well. I mean, our safeties are, are just getting old, man. Like Rodney was getting his legs back underneath him as the, as the season went on. But, I mean, he's coming off of two, three, two or three season-ending injuries, like, in a row. I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's not going to last forever, you know. And Anthony Harris, I mean, it was it was an experiment. And uh, I don't know how much longer the experiment is going to go on. So I really think that, you know, we do need to shore up the position. Like you mentioned, Quell, um, you know, maybe getting Kayvon some tick. Would be would be nice see what he can do, um, but I really think that we need to invest uh, some some high draft capital into that position as well. And then the last thing I'm gonna just uh, leave on is interior O line. Um, Brandon Brooks retiring is big, and Jason Kelsey's retirement is closer than we'd want it to be. You know, I mean, I wish he could play forever, but you know, in the next three years, he's probably going to be like, all right, I'm, I'm tired. You know, he just said today, as long as he can, you know, be a good locker room guy, uh, be at a high level and, you know, uh, stay healthy, he's going to play. So um, he's always welcome back, but we do have to think about the future. And so if we do see a Lind- Linderbaum or maybe like a Zion Johnson, maybe, maybe you do grab him with one of like the, the later first round picks that we have. But those are about my five positions of need that I think we should go after. So I agree. Pretty much we're, we're all hitting on the same positions overall, in my opinion. The order, you know, everybody has their order a specific way. So for me, going into the offseason, the biggest question mark overall with the team in general is going to be what? It's going to be Jalen Hurts, right? It's going to be his development and all of that, right? That's, that's the biggest thing that we need to see a jump 
from this year to next year. So what's the most important thing with a young quarterback is protecting him, right? So in my opinion, the number one thing that needs to be addressed by this team in the draft, free agency, whatever, but I would love it in the draft, is interior offensive line. And I love the kid from Texas A&M. His name's kind of slipping my mind right now. I think it's Green. Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green. I love his game. And one thing that I've noticed with the Eagles is they love versatility. They love those tweeners, right? They love the guys where they're like, yeah, they're good at one position, but they're also pretty decent at a bunch of other positions. How are we going to play them? Blah, 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 all that. Well, he's a guy that played every single position in college outside of center, right? So that's a guy that I think would really kind of step in right away, kind of give you that versatility. If one of your tackles did you know, go down and you have more depth on the interior of your offensive line on your roster at the time, you can just swing him to tackle you know, for a game, hold up a little bit. He's great in the run. He's pretty solid in the pass game. He's intelligent. I mean, you have to be a smart football player, right, to play multiple positions. Another guy, Zion, you mentioned. Jason Kelsey possibly retiring after, you know, either this offseason, next offseason, whatever it is. But getting guys that can play multiple positions up front um, but are pretty solid at one specific position, in my opinion, it needs to be guard. I'm not a big Sayamalu guy. Um, I don't really think that he's the solution to Brandon Brooks retiring. So I think that is a position that you need to address, clean up, the the face of the pocket for your quarterback to be able to sit there, step up into the pocket, feel comfortable moving vertical movement in his in the pocket and and, and make the right throws and reads downfield, protect him. Um, number two for me would be linebacker. Um, linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. I mean, I think they should draft two to three guys. Add that third guy as a swing special teams dude. That's your your key contributor on special teams, but you need in defense in today's game, you need a difference maker down the middle of your defense, not necessarily on the defensive line, because a lot of teams are starting to do that rotation of their D line and everything. So you can get fresh bodies in there throughout the game. Having that difference maker is huge, but having a difference maker at the linebacker position, you know, at that second, third level of your defense. Right. So in my opinion, the way the defense is played under Jonathan Gannon, you know, expecting him to be back. Like, you know, you guys touched on earlier, he needs to have that stud backer that's a difference maker, the guy that can quarterback the middle of his defense and really kind of shut down the pass game, sideline to sideline in the run game, can take on those guards trying to get to that second level, can spill blocks, can, can do everything that you need to free up everybody else around him and just fly around and make plays. Um, and like you guys touched on before, linebacker is pretty deep in this in this class. Right. You got a lot of guys that, you know, all the different rounds, the different tiers that that can come in and make an impact on your on your football team in multiple areas. Um, three for me would just be overall secondary. Um, safety needs to be addressed. The way that Rodney McLeod plays um, football is great when he's 100 percent healthy and he doesn't have anything kind of hindering him and slowing him down. Right. He's a solid safety when he's fully 100% ready to go, but getting long in the tooth has had the injuries now the last handful of years, right? So time to start looking at some youth there, some guys that are difference makers. You're going to hear me say that a lot when it comes to draft, 
is you need to find guys that are difference makers. And I know that's the obvious thing, but you have three first round picks. You have a ton of draft picks overall this year. You need to find young difference makers. There's no excuse. You have to. And if you don't, you failed. And that's going to impact your franchise for the next five to 10 years with this type of you know capital that they have this year. So secondary overall, I personally think they need to hit on safety first and then get to corner. You know, there are some pretty good, uh, young, talented, raw corners that you can get in the later rounds. I know, Quell, I've seen you on, on social media kind of putting guys out there, corners like, hey, look, this guy's raw. But look at the traits. Look at how long he is. Look at how, you know, patient he is. Look at how physical he is. Look at his ball skills, right? Raw, take a shot on those guys. Let them learn under Slay, right? Let them come in and learn under these guys and develop. But safety, you got to get a difference maker there. Um, next for me then would be edge or defensive end. So Gannon kind of came out with these like weird different fronts and, and styles of his defense towards the end of the year, right? That were pretty complex, pretty unique and everything where he'd have Avery kind of standing up as a backer, but then coming around the edge, right? Or, or you know, blitz and A gap, blitz and B gap, doing little games with the, the D tackles and the backer. Um, if you want to have a hybrid guy that can kind of stand up and rush, get an edge rusher, man. There's a lot of them coming out of college now because every college, it seems, that's how they're playing their DNs. They don't really love them with their hand in the dirt. They want them standing up in the two-point, let them get in that sprinter stance and go, all right? Um, DN, though, if you're going to go after a DN, it's got to be somebody in the mold of Brandon Graham. And, Pierre, I know you and I kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago. And we mentioned uh, the Marvin Leal, right? That's a perfect fit right there. Yep. He reminds me a lot of um, Williams and you know Brandon Graham, where he can kind of set that edge in the run game, be that strong anchor on the edge if you're going to run the even front. But he also has the ability and the, and the raw talent to be able to rush the passer, be able to bull rush. You can high-low the pocket if you have Josh Sweat, who you just signed, Use that speed to get around the outside, get on top of the pocket, allow Leal or somebody with a little bit more, you know, gas in their trunk, right? So drive that pocket, high-low the pocket, force a quarterback to be uncomfortable, especially with those beasts that you have in the middle of the defense, pushing that pocket back in his face, right? So that would be the next thing for me. And then the last one is going to be the obvious. It's, it feels like every single year we talk about this, guys, it's just pass catchers, right? And I put pass catchers down because if you're going to address receiver in free agency, great, right? If you're not, address it in the draft. You can get guys like the kid from Boise State who is have he had a hell of a senior week. Hell of a week, man. That kid is a kid that you can stash as like some depth there, right? You already know Devontae Smith is your number one. That dude has to get about 12. 13 targets a game. There is no excuse anymore for that not to happen, right? So you need to have guys that are complementary pieces to them. Quez Watkins, love them, right? Love them. Develop them. Keep working with them. Get some other guys that are key pieces that have the confidence to play the position in the NFL. Jalen Rager doesn't have that confidence. Sorry. It's just proven. It's proven. You need to be confident to play receiver in the NFL, right? The other pass catcher. And, Quell, you really kind of made me think about this before. Get me a move tight end, H-back type guy. Cole Turner. Likely. 
Isaiah Likely, right? Turner, another guy. You know, freaking the kid from Colorado State. I know he's going to go high, but there's a lot of those guys because, again, that is what college has formed into. And the NFL is always two to three years behind college. So now you're starting to see that come into the NFL. So take advantage of it. We talked, Pierre, about this a while ago. Can you imagine if we had a guy that's like Kittle um, or or somebody like that that you could put in an H-back, a move H-back, move tight end, put him in the slot, put him as a stand-up, attached tight end or whatever, a sniffer. Imagine what that would do for your run game, let alone your pass game. But imagine what that would do for the uniqueness of your run game, which the Eagles have already developed a very unique style of run game. So just imagine what that versatility would add to that offense. Because, again, at the end of the day, we need to address defense, but what's the number one thing this offseason, guys? Jalen Hurts. Hurts. What do we have with him? What is he going to be? How can we do things this offseason to help him become that guy that everybody is hoping that he becomes in the organization and, and around this area? Is he going to be that guy? Do what you need to do to help him. The run game helps. Protecting him helps. Pass catchers help. And then you address that defense to really kind of get the other offense off the field and allow him to go back out there and make plays. So, actually, I want to address a little bit of what you said, Coach. First, I guess I can start with first things you said. Um, so it's funny you say you're not much of a say a Malu guy. You don't think say Malu's good enough for lack of better time. And you got to remember, this is a guy that many considered to be our best offensive lineman before he went down. A guy that Jason Kelsey said doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's very underrated across the league. Like, he's really among the top guys. So, I mean, what is that exactly that you don't like? To me, and and again, this is my opinion, and everybody has opinions, right? So, I mean, to me, though, he doesn't fit the other four guys around him. I mean, look 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 at our left tackle. The mammoth of a human being that can move bodies. He can move freaking mountains, right? Look at our left guard right now. Right? Dickerson. Big, strong, move bodies in the run game, right? Center, Jason Kelsey, athletic, get out in space. But he is also very strong, very intelligent. Then you get to our right tackle, Lane Johnson. He can move anybody against their will in the run game. Pass protect is great, right? They're solid there. I don't see Sayamalu kind of fitting that mold of the other four guys around him. I think he lacks the strength at the point of attack. That's just my opinion. Um, consistency, he lacks that. And again, when I'm looking at why I'm not as high on him, it also falls back into the most important thing for this organization, this football team, this offseason, which is developing your young quarterback, seeing what you have in him, protecting him. And, and getting this offense moving, especially if you're going to start going younger on defense, you need to have an offense that can score points, move the football, keep the other team off the field, right? And I think if you get a difference maker at guard at, on the offensive line to go with those other four guys, I think that is a huge, huge upgrade. And I don't think he adds that same upgrade coming back off of injury to slide into that right guard spot and make that jump on that offensive line to make them continue to, tr- you know, trend in that elite direction. That's just me. Is he a good football player? Clearly, he's in the NFL. He's lasted a handful of years now. His teammates like him. His coach likes him. 
But is he a guy that I could sit there and say, you know what, that's going to be an all pro right guard for the next five to 10 years. I don't see it. And if you're asking me, that's what I want in my guards. I want guys that I can look at and say, Quentin Nelson, you're a dude, right? You're a dude. Zach Martin, you're a dude. Difference maker, right? I think that we're going to have one in Landon Dickerson this year heading into next year. I think he's going to be one of those dudes. Isaac Sayamalu, just I just don't see it. I don't see it. That's understandable. And as far as the second question, I heard you guys touch on the Marvin Lill as far as the, the Brandon Graham role. When you, when you guys put up the Brandon Graham role, and I mean, him having to make it to us is the big thing. But the first person I thought about when I heard that was George Kalafis. I mm. feel like George Kalafis would be phenomenal. He would work wonders for the Eagles. I mean, I could see him as a starting edge on almost any team. He ain't many teams that he probably wouldn't start for today. You drop him in. He is so technically sound, probably the best power rusher in the class. Like, so strong. I think he's the best. I think he's the best pure pass rusher in this draft class. If you kind of combine all the tools, the speed, the power, you know, the finesse, the counters, you know, he's pretty polished up. The funny thing, like, everybody, like, well, you know, guys, you know, I'm, I'm a Michigan fan. So when he was coming out of high school, he was down to Purdue and Michigan. So I've been following this dude since he was in high school, um, looking at his game and looking at his potential and everything. The one thing that I can see, because he should be a top, you know, 10 to 15 draft pick. He's absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that's going to hurt him is he doesn't have anything that flashes on tape, right? He's not a flashy player. And he's kind of that tweener, right? Is he that pure pass rusher on the outside? You guys see that. I see it, but do other teams see it? Or is he kind of that, let's slide him into that three tech? Is he is he more better in like a three front, an odd front, or an even front, you know, under, over? Like what what is he kind of fit? So I think that might make him slide down further in the draft. And if that happens, absolutely. Go jump on that. If he gets to 15, jump on steal. it. Jump on it. Because you're getting a guy that, that's coming in ready to play now. So, I mean, I guess we've already headed towards this direction. So, what do you guys have in mind with these three first-round picks? Are there any particular prospects or positions in general that you would address early? Um, so, for me, um, at 15, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter or you're familiar with my work, my number one target for the Eagles in this draft is DeMarvin Leal. Um, we just touched on it. Um, I love versatility and defensive linemen. He has it. Um, the power as a rusher, he has it. Um, like I said in my, uh, my mock draft, he's a living, breathing embodiment of versatility in the defensive lineman. He's played every alignment along the defensive line. Um, he's a relentless uh, worker um, as a run defender or a pass rusher. Um so he's my number one target at 15. For me, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned, you know, the positions of need. I really like a linebacker. I mean, the linebacker I really like is is Devin Lloyd. I like his ability to rush the passer as well. And, you know, just his his history as, you know, having come down from, you know, playing safety and and every I mean, played just about, you know, everything on the football field. I think 
I really value that because I think he has a completely different perspective on how to view the defense and how coverages work. And I really think that could work hand in hand to just, you know, help him become a really special player. That's why I would you know, really want the Eagles to take a guy like that up high. But, you know, the kind of realistic option, if he drops, that I really want is um, is Linderbaum. I just think, like, you know, we talked about Kelsey. He's about as close to, like, a, a Kelsey clone, you know, even in terms of, like, size and speed and, you know, strength, everything. It's kind of nuts. You know, he's he's about as close as, as you can get. And for him to learn under Kelsey, I mean, that's just – it's a phenomenal opportunity. But really, in terms of the first-round picks, like, the main thing I want to do is just trade one of them out to next year. I don't personally think – any of the quarterbacks this year are, are worth it to me. You know, I, I would rather rock with Jalen for one more year, see what he can do and continue to, you know, build the entire team around him. And then if it doesn't work out, if the Jalen Hurst experiment doesn't work out after next year, then fine. You know, you go, you get your guy. And at that point you have a solid team and that team has played together for one more year. And, you know, you have all these guys with more experience. And so um, I really think the best option for us is just in terms of you know quarterback or first round picks it's just to move one of them three first round picks is a luxury but four in two years I mean that's I mean it's, it's the same thing right so I mean you're just moving one out and you can even pick up a couple other picks you know maybe maybe some later round picks this year but um I just think we should we should trade out of the first round for a team that wants a quarterback and we wait and uh and then we see because I think next year's quarterback class is is phenomenal. And uh, we, as the Eagles, I just feel like we're in the past couple of years, we've just been behind on the quarterbacks. We took Carson in like the draft with him and Goff and the year after Mahomes and Deshaun Watson came out, you know? So um, I just want to make sure that we get the best possible guy and we don't just, you know, draft a quarterback because, Oh, you know, it seems like we need a quarterback right now. I think you draft for need. Um, and then you just, uh, and then you can figure things out. So, any of you guys that have been following me for a while, yeah, you know I've been steadfast on this for a long time. This guy, this is basically the agenda. But at 15, <laughs> I've basically locked in on one prospect at this point. I mean, yeah, I've made my calls for Linderbaum, but for the most part, I'm pretty sold on the birds taking Georgia, the defensive end, Trayvon Wood Walker. Like you said, Coach, they really loved in some versatility. And Walker was used so much across the, the entire D-line during this time at Georgia. Kid is an athlete, man. Like, one of the most exciting line. Like, you guys know I love watching Trench play in general. And he's probably one of the, the most fun tape I had a chance to watch. I mean, his explosiveness of his first step, it's, it's just so fun, man. He's so fast, so athletic. But it's just figuring out exactly like we keep saying, where to how do we use you? And I feel like between us not having us having questions about the future of Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham coming back from injury as well, that Walker would be a prospect that'll fit in perfectly fine. You can rotate him along with the rest of the guys on the line. At some point, him and Josh Sweat become your two primary pass rushers, which are two of the most athletic guys in the league. Definitely ideal for what you're trying to get to. Yeah, I, I I like all those guys that you mentioned. I love them all. Um, I actually also like the idea of, of trading out um, and, and trying to get a one for next year. 
uh, stick with two this year, get maybe, you know, a, a later pick this year and try to get a one next year, right? Um, I think that would benefit them because not only does it allow you the freedom to kind of look ahead in terms of quarterbacks next year, if Jalen doesn't work out, right, this is a big if, right, we're, we're doing the if thing in, in quotations, um, but it also kind of balances out like your cap, your age of your roster, it balances out everything that you would want in your your organization because think about it in five years after this year if you draft three guys in the first round five years after this coming year you got to re-sign all three of those guys if they pan out right at the same time too at the same time that's gonna that's tough on top of probably if you get a guy or two in the second third fourth fifth sixth round seventh round right if they trade into the seventh round you know, you also might have to sign those guys the year prior, right? So balance everything out. You know, having a lot of first-round picks in one year is great. Um, and then the other thing that you can do is, like you talked about, um, if a team wants a quarterback, take advantage of somebody that's needy. Take advantage of somebody that is desperate, right? Do it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to trade up and trade their their future for, you know, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, you know, any of those guys, Matt Corral, right? Carson Strong, if they want to trade up for one of those guys, go right ahead. Here you go. Here's my asking price. And if you don't like it, too bad. I'm going to take somebody else or I'm going to take another phone call of another team that wants the same exact guy you were just asking about. Hold them hostage. That's what you can do when you have three first round picks. You have a lot of things that you can do. It's the optionality. My guy that I love. And I mentioned him earlier. I love him. You know, Pierre, or Quell, I know you said that you're a trench guy. So I'm surprised that you didn't say this on the offensive side of the ball. Dude, Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green. I love Linderbaum. He fits the, the Kelsey mold. But from everything that I'm hearing and everything, all the feel that I'm getting is he's coming back. Um, so, if you did draft Linderbaum and Kelsey comes back, what are you, you going to do with him? Because so, I mean, to me, guard. to me, I think if you had to trust anybody to get him ready to move to a different position for at least one year, it's Jeff Stalin. So I mean, and and, and that's true. From that. That's true, and I and I agree with that. But why would you want to do that when you could just draft a guy that could slide right in and potentially be an All Pro at the guard, and then if you ask me, the center position is extremely underrated in this class. There are guys. They might not be the Jason Kelsey, Tyler Linderbaum mold, but there are guys that'll fit a power-heavy scheme and have the versatility to pull out into space and get to that second level or whatever you want. Maybe not as at the elite level that those two guys do it, but you can get a guy like that and then use Stoutland's ability to develop guys and have them ready for the, pro- the next year. Or the year after that. But I think if you get a shot to get a guy like Kenyon Green, you got to take it at 15. You, you have to. I think that that guy's a plug-and-play, all-pro caliber type guy. And then he also adds you the versatility that we all know the Eagles have a history of injuries on the offensive line. He adds you that versatility to kind of swing to left guard, left tackle for you know a game or two, right tackle for a game or two, and then slides right back to right guard. He has that in his history of being able to do, right? So take advantage of that. And I'm a huge believer of if you have a young quarterback, build him a freaking wall. 
build a wall in front of him, rely on your run game, rely on them protecting him and giving him the time to develop mentally and make plays behind center. You, you got to do it. That's just my opinion. 16 and 19. We can talk about that later when we get to the mock draft because I got some surprises for y'all. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> before we head that way, I must say, I mean, just to touch on a little bit what you said, Coach, I mean, exactly like you say, you want to build your quarterback a wall, which is why I'm kind of surprised you say you wouldn't necessarily go to Linderbaum route. It's more so a, like you said, I, I think we all get in the sense that Kelsey will be back. And this is like a question I asked Brad last week, actually, where would it actually even be worth it? I mean, of course, you don't trade up for a Linderbaum. You can't trade up for a center. But would it be worth it to select Linderbaum even if you knew Kelsey was coming back? And, I mean, as even as Brad said, I mean, it might not be make Kelsey as excited. And, I mean, there could be other positions you could address that would probably help your team this year. But when you draft, you were necessarily not supposed to be trying to help the team this year for the years after and towards the future. And I feel like you selecting Linderbaum would be you saying, I'm invested to building a wall in front of my young quarterback. I mean, of no, course. Yeah, absolutely. You have to... oh, you're, you're 100% right, yeah. The biggest question that you would have to answer before making that kind of decision, and this is just my opinion, um, can he play guard this year right now? Like, does he have the size, the ability, the tools, the strength in the system that we run with the Eagles? Can he slide into that guard spot and play? Because he's a first-round pick, he has to play. There's there's no sitting and saying, oh, he's got to develop and blah, 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 or he might, it might take a little bit of time for him to get comfortable at guard. No. It's got to be, can he slide in that guard right now? Yes. All right, take him. Because don't forget, too, everybody talks about Sayamalu with the versatility up front, because he has played a lot of different positions. In college, he played center in college. Mm-hmm. Like he played center in college and when they drafted him, they had, they drafted him with the idea of him playing guard, but also as a potential backup center. You also have Landon Dickerson who played center in college, right? Love him at guard, rather him stay a guard with his body type and his skill set. but he could play center. So you do have that versatility that if Kelsey did leave and you did draft just a, a pure guard swing to tackle type, you know, lineman, that you do have other guys that you could say, okay, yeah, like we can mess around with this if Kelsey does leave after this next year and slide them in at center. And a guy that knows our system, has been in our system for a few years because, remember, that center has to be the most intelligent guy up front. He's got to run the show. So I got a quick question just in terms of in terms of this. So say we do take, you know, a guard in, instead of a center, and then uh, and then Kelsey decides to, decides to retire. Would you rather move Samalu? Inside to center, or slide Dickerson into center and keep Samalo at guard. No, say say Amalo at center. One, I just think he fits that mold better. You know, mm-hmm. not too many times in this league do you get a guy that's in a zero that's just head up on you and is just going to force you to you know take him on right as you snap the football, right? Um, I think that that would be a more realistic option because you don't want to you don't want to slow that development of that of big sixty nine. At guard right now because that Especially guy is on track line. he's on a path to be a a pro bowl year in year out type guy 
and you want him to get comfortable in that relationship with your future left tackle that you just signed, right? So that camaraderie, that that relationship. I mean, think about Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. They're yeah. best friends, right? That is so important. And, and that Super Bowl run, that Super Bowl year, you guys all remember it. That was behind crucial them. up front. Yeah. yeah. You run. Yeah. Hey, what are we going to do? Run right. Give LeGarrette Blunt the football. Give J.H.I. the football. Run right. That's all you really got to do. Especially once Peters went down, run right. That relationship, that camaraderie, that 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 kind of feeding off of one another is huge. So I would not mess with that whatsoever. Keep that left side, you know, especially with a right-handed quarterback. Keep that intact. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with it. Don't touch it. Say Malu is an extremely intelligent football player, right? He's versatile up front. He knows the offense. Stoutland loves him. His guys love him, right? Slide him in at center. Get that guard that you draft that I know would be an all-pro if you take him. Put him in at right guard. You got an all-pro caliber right tackle. You're set. That, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, I mean, you can see it right now. The, the friendship between the – uh dickerson and, and my lot is awesome i mean they're like i mean they're they're already so tight so i can i can totally understand and i was thinking the same kind of thing especially with you know somali having played it in college and he's this he's a smaller guy it just makes more sense to you know have him on the inside you know and have like you know the bigger guys surrounding him um but i got a question for for all you guys because well it's a question because i want to make a point so if uh if there's a uh if there's a running back in uh in one of these later rounds Who's it going to be? I mean, I would I would hope anybody who knows me would know that my guy is going to be Damian Pierce. I mean, he I mean, he had the best week at the senior bowl, in, in my opinion. I mean, he he just didn't get used at Florida. My issue, Dan Mullen, I can't I'm not going to get into it because, you know, it's going to get bad and I'm going to keep going for a long time. <laughs> but my God, he doesn't know how to use talent and he keeps guys on the bench forever. Damian D- Damian Pierce never went over 600 y- rushing yards in a year, but the games where we gave him the ball, we somehow won. Like, it's miraculous. You know, like, wow, we had a running game and he was able to carry the load. I mean, the guy has, like, burst. He has size. And, like, the one thing I appreciate about him that I saw, and there's a lot, but if he sees a hole, if he sees a crease, he's hitting it. You know, and that's something that we have struggled with with our running backs for so long. You know, Kenny Kenny Gainwell seemed like such a great switch up from Miles Sanders, not because, you know, he has – more physical gifts but because he was just willing to see the crease and then and, and just hit it and i know a lot more goes into it and you got to have you know some <clears> idea <throat> of what's coming and 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 you know be looking into the future almost when you're when you're running back but you know you either have it or you don't i think damian pierce has that and i mean what he brings in, in pass protection is crazy i mean the dude's just he, he's a dog dude i mean there was like there was that video um that just went viral this week I mean, he's he was doing that every week in the SEC. Anybody wanted to come, he was our best pass protecting back. Anybody, he was he was laying his body out there. So you're talking about I mean, the guy from guy. App State, the linebacker from App State that tried to yeah. rush. <laughs> Pierce, Pierce went, yeah, you want rushing me? Here, let's go oh, face to face real quick, and I'll stone you. <laughs> that you could hear the pop on the on on the mic. It was awesome, dude. I was like, oh man, I missed awesome, the pop. <laughs> no, I mean, I just love that. I love the violence he plays with. So, I mean, that's my guy. Who, who, who are some guys that you guys have an eye on? I know there's a couple really good backs in in this class. Sneaky good backs. Um, so for so, me, uh, you go ahead, Cole. No, you can go ahead first. I just had one question. When you say like later on, do you have like a specific round preference to 
Not really, bro, because, I mean, you know us. We're not taking a running back in the first round. Second round is 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 a, is maybe a possibility. I mean, we took Miles there, but you know I'm just and they looked second, into, second on they looked into uh, J.K. Dobbins. What two, three? That's years right. Ago? Yeah, that and we took Jalen instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, um, the running back, and I talked with Quell. I talked to Quell about this a couple of days ago. Um, it's James Cook out of Georgia. Um, <laughs> my guy. Um, to me, he he's a very intriguing back. He can pretty much do it all. He can catch out of the backfield. He can line up out of the slot, pass block. He's a tough runner. Um, I told Quell this. Uh, there's some a little bit of Alvin Kamara to his game. Um, you could say so he's, he's Alvin he's, Cook to his game. It's really weird. <laughs> I mean, they run yeah. like an identical style. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he's better. I think he's better than his brother. Wow, that says a lot. You got you got to explain Whoa. that. Can, can, can Hold you on. take his Hold brother on. and line him up out wide? in a semifinal championship game and say, hey, if you're one-on-one, we're going to throw a go ball to you. No, you ain't going to do that. Against the corner. Okay, no. (laughs) But in the same breath, if you gave his brother the football and you told insert defensive player to chase him and see which one, you gave him a football and you gave his brother a football, you told the same defensive player to chase them down. One of them's getting caught. The other one isn't. The one that isn't is probably a top two back in the league right now. He also is about as fragile as plexiglass. <laughs> the wind blows the wrong way. The guy, like, tears his knee. Like, it, 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 I don't know. And I, I also like don't think, think that we've seen of that enough of James Cook. I, he, like, nope. You could, yeah. He, he, had, he only had down there, right? Yeah, he, he only had 218 carries over his four-year career. He was their it's scat not. back, their pass catching back, their yep. screen back. Like that's what he was, and it's like, why? The guy's a five star recruit. Why? Why? Why are you doing that? Georgia, they produce running backs. Please. No, Sean Marino really worked out for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Georgia's fine, dude. Oh, we need to talk sweet about Georgia. All right, they got their time. They got their time. Uh, if I had to give you. A back, a specific back. I actually got two in mind for you because I really couldn't pick between them. These are two of my my guys heading to this class. First would be Tyler Batty, the running back out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler's a big play waiting to happen, man. A big play is so explosive. <laughs> it's like just get him the football and let him work type of thing. And it's not even just on the ground. Like he is probably the best pass catching back in this class. He actually could play a whole lot of wide receiver. Like, once again, as I said, a big play waiting to happen. He gives me a whole lot of Darren Sproles-esque vibes, honestly, especially with him coming in at a little smaller size. I think he's a little taller than Darren. I think he's like 5'8", but definitely a, a guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, my second guy would be Kyron Williams, running back from Notre Dame. I actually had a chance to talk to Pierre about him, another one of my, my guys, clearly the best pass protector back in his class. He, Stonewall, talk about Stonewall, man, he is a problem in terms of pass protection. You know the Dame, and I mean, the the, the, line, the offensive line at Notre Dame, usually known for being a dominant group, lost some luster, for lack of a better term, this year, but he more than made up for it and helped Jack Cook more than suitable in the back. So, I mean, of course, he's probably – one of the more all-around guys in the class. You can use him out of the backfield. He, like I said, the, the line lost some luster. So he, the, the fact that he was able to get done what he was able to get done, 
without uh, the competence of that offensive line, how they used to be, it's definitely something great to watch. But those definitely two guys to keep an eye out for. So I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, sorry, I, I just I just wanted to mention. I see this. I see, I see you guys talk about him all the time. I'm surprised neither of you mentioned Kenneth Walker. Because eh. he's not necessarily a sleeper. You you also know what you're getting with Kenneth. Might be the that best back in the class. I mean. You, you guys, it's a flavor type of thing. Some people might say he's the best pack in the class. Some people might say it's Bryce Hall. I mean, it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Me, personally, I have Isaiah Spiller right now ranked at a running back five. Oh. Um, I have Zach Charbonnet in front of him, and then, of course, Kyane Williams. I'm a really big Zach Charbonnet guy, running back for he's UCLA, back. though. He's back. He, he's returning to school. Oh, he 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 went to school. Yeah. Oh man, that I didn't know. Yeah, believe me, wow, I had that's him. a big boost for Chip Kelly. I had him. Let's go, As my my <laughs> Michigan guy, man, my Michigan guy that ghosted Michigan and he went back to Cali. Um, <laughs> for me, honestly, it, it's we talk about flavors of running backs, right? So. I got two flavors. I got my guy that's gonna get me them three yards. I need three yards minimum. Right in between the tackles, I got that guy, and then I got a guy that's hey, listen, give me a little bit of slash, give me a little bit of catching with the with, you know out out of the backfield screen game type stuff. Um, that guy for me is obviously James Cook. I I love him. I've been in love with him since he came out of Florida, um, going to Georgia there uh, out of high school. You know, I, he's got the the family comes from a family of football players. You know, he's got the skill. He was underutilized, so he doesn't have the tread. You know, he still has a ton of tread on his tires there. He, he isn't coming in worn down with a ton of carries. You know, bell cow guy for three years at Georgia. He wasn't that. Um, I think he offers you a lot in that aspect of the game, right? Um, it would be tough because you have three guys technically on roster right now that kind of fit that mold in Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, right? Those guys, they kind of fit that scat back, that slasher, you know, that home run hitting ability, catching the ball in the backfield. Um, Jordan Howard was kind of our, I need three yards. Can you give me three yards? He just shakes his head. You give him the ball, he gets three yards, right? Um, so in the draft for me, that guy, well, I see you smiling. Why are you smiling? Huh? <laughs> Why are you smiling? Where am I going with this? Where am I going with this, huh? I'm a fan of him too. He 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 did make it into my top ten. Hassan it was certainly has hard to... making it out. It was certainly hard keeping him out of the top ten because he is a baller, man. Hassan Haskins. You know why though? So not just because I'm a Michigan fan and I got to watch this guy grow um, and play football at an extremely high level coming into his last year. The leadership that he showed at Michigan, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a Michigan guy, so I know I've been following this stuff, right? The dude changed positions three times, came in as a running back, switched over to the defensive side of the ball, switched back to running back, right? Never blinked an eye, didn't leave, um, came a captain his last year at Michigan, helped, you know, basically lead one of the biggest turnarounds in college football over the last, you know, handful of years, going from two and four to the, you know, national championship semifinal game before they got, you know, smoked by Georgia. Um, he he also fits the scheme. That's a big thing for me with running backs because teams nowadays want to do that running back by committee. 
it's extremely important for you to got, find guys that are comfortable coming out of college that run a similar scheme that you run. And what do the Eagles do? They run a lot of gap, power, counter type, pin and pulls, right? Following guards, you know, getting downhill between the tackles type runs. And if you guys watched Michigan at all this year, well, I know you did. Um, that's what they run. That's what they run. That was their offense. That's why they were one of the best running football teams in the Big Ten. Um, and then in the, in the entire country. And, and a lot of it had to do was with Hassan Haskins getting that, hey, yo, Hassan, I need three yards. Can you get me it? And he looks at Coach Harbaugh and he just shakes his head and you give him the football and he scores four or five times against Ohio State in the snow. And he, he shuts those boys out and sends them back to Columbus crying, screaming that they got the flu and that oh, they're not ready. Oh, snow, blah, 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 we had injuries, whatever. Right? Ran all over you. That's the dude. He fits that kind of role. All right. But those are my two guys. James Cook, if you want that slasher, that quick kind of, you know, guy, if you want to run that wide zone, outside zone, sweeps, screens, swing passes, split him out, let him catch the ball. Hassan Haskins, if you want a guy that's going to tote the rock in between the tackles as that first and second down guy. I love the hearts. You guys were trying to figure <laughs> out what that was. That was me looking for a mute button to find. <laughs> <laughs> But see, God, God said, you know what? You want to mute him, but he's so right. And I know you love it deep down inside. With our first part. Oh, man. Nothing like college rivalries. I mean, like oh, NFL man. is one thing, but I mean, we talk about, I mean, we're talking about James Cook and I'm like, no, I don't want to draft him. He went to Georgia. I mean, I'm still having trouble. Like Landon Dickerson, I mean. FSU and Alabama, like he's killing me. I don't know, like how am I? But I like the dude. It's it's doing a lot to me. But uh, I'm I'm working I'm working through it. But uh, should we uh, should we move on to the mock draft or uh, what do you guys kind of wanna wanna talk about? Um, one of the things I wanted to look at was uh, the coaching hires and maybe we could give yeah. like grades to the hires so far. Maybe for the lack of. But yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm gonna give them all F because there are no black people getting jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Never Dougie P. That's a that's a great A yeah. job. That's yeah. a great hire. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually glad you brought that up, man, because I had the chance to go to a Jaguar spaces last night. And the amount of fans that were against the Dougie P hire, man, it was actually weird. Absurd. And I'm sitting here like this would probably be the best thing that could have happened to your organization. Now, I do have concerns about him working with Trent Baalke. I have concerns about anyone who wants to work with Trent Baalke. But a man, a man has the Jaguars organization in the chokehold. <laughs> yeah, everybody, a lot of Howie Rose. Everybody. I, I tweeted. I was like, I mean, him having to go from Howie to Trent, he is living in hell. I mean, like. He's going, he okay, he's going to go, hey, Trent, if you ever come down before the game starts and give me a lineup of guys that need to play certain <laughs> positions, I'm going to walk out with my signing bonus. So and you're not getting any ice cream. Yeah. No, my thing is, I'm a coach, so I'm guaranteed my entire contract. My thing is on the Trent Bulky situation, why does he have that much, like, sway? Like, what? Why is he still there? Yeah. like It doesn't make sense. Good things like, have I not saw, come with him. <laughs> I saw a tweet. And it was, I think it was teams where he was a GM. Like, their records were, like, 2-14, and 3-13, and 5-11. and 11. Like, I don't understand what their reasoning is for keeping him around. Makes no sense. 
And I mean, they just they missed out on a on a coach. Like I mean, that they missed out on their top choice. Yeah. But I mean, one of my one of my cousins is a, is a huge Jaguars fan. Like I mean, him and his dad, they are long suffering, dude. Like I just my heart goes out to him. You know, living in living having to you know call Jacksonville your city and then have to cheer for the Jaguars. I mean, it's brutal. But <laughs> but uh, I mean, they were. I mean, he was my my cousin was just mad at first because they all wanted Byron to come back. You know, and I mean that was the number one hire, but it just kind of reminded me when we hired Doug, Doug was not, you know, the biggest name on the market. Most people wanted Ben McAdoo, you know, like Doug does well when he's in a position like this, when everybody's doubting him, he's, I think he's going to come out on top. And, and I think, I mean, that's on Jaguars fans to think that, but I mean, I think, I think he's a, he's a great pick for them. I know it sucks. You know, it would have been so, you know masterful or you know like a movie if if byron leftwich was to come back and and bring them the success that he was supposed to you know 20 years ago but i mean doug is as good of a pick as you can get and he's he's the most qualified coach on the market he won a super bowl and he didn't win a super bowl with tom brady he won it against tom brady <laughs> but um i think that's a that's a really good pick for them i will say um i mean the giants it's it's weird you know what i'm gonna just credit to them for just sticking with their dude and seeing what, what what they can do with them. You know, maybe they're sticking with the wrong dude, but no. too many teams don't give a guy enough time. But I mean, look, there if he doesn't work out this year, then you obviously know that I mean, they have to cut the court, I would hope. But I mean, you're bringing in Kafka and you have Dabble. You know, I mean, that's a that, that's those are two guys who've helped quarterbacks, you know, progress a lot. Now, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to become Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but if anybody's gonna, you know, hopefully bring out the best in him, I, I, I think, I think it would be those guys. I don't know. Remember, they're not tied to him either. They yeah, exactly. So they're exactly. not really tied to him. So you, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure everyone who listens to any of our podcasts that we put out, you all know my views on Daniel Jones as a quarterback. <laughs> I heard you love him. Look, <laughs> Stan. God, Quell. Leave Daniel Jones alone, okay? <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation numerous times in the group chat. And at first, it started out as a joke. Then I thought I should probably go cash in a lottery ticket because I was actually right. But I said way back in January that if Daniel Jones wanted to be successful, he needed to be under Brian Dabble. Because mm-hmm. he's I like to call the great value version of Daniel Jones. I mean, of uh, Josh Allen. Now, he doesn't quite have Josh Allen's arm talent, which is where a lot of it goes goes left. But I do think that Daniel Jones is a quarterback who can execute what he's asked to do within the parameters of an offense as long as you ask him to do what he's good at. So, like Dabble did with Josh Allen. So, okay, you got a cannon. You like throwing the ball deep. You're not really good at throwing the ball intermediately, so which is going to take everything out of the offense that includes some intermediate work, which is going to be short play action, vertical shot, downfield. So, I mean, if he can get him into a position where you take everything, like, like Daniel Jones is not really good in terms of throwing the ball downfield. So if you take everything in terms of trying to take all these shots down the field and open up the middle of the field and the short screen game, then maybe you see a more, a, a more productive Daniel Jones. This isn't saying that he's going to turn into Josh Allen or anything. I'm just saying you can get much better out of the product of what you've seen so far. 
with better coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he, he Daniel Jones, for me, he fit really well in like a Kyle Shanahan offense. Like a he's he's pretty much like the Jimmy G type mold without the years sitting and learning behind Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and he has legs that he can run and move a little bit. But like the the accuracy aspect, the the ability to make plays, you know, with the ball in the air, doesn't really flash that ability. But he's intelligent. You got to know he's intelligent. He went to Duke. He graduated in three years. Like he's intelligent. doesn't play like it. No, he doesn't. But he also <laughs> plays for the Giants. You know, and that that's been a, a dumpster fire of an organization since uh, the the boat with the Timberlands incident in the playoffs, right? Oh my so, God, dude. Um, but I mean, I've never seen something so that was so bad, dude. It just think, went so downhill. I think Kafka and Dable are gonna definitely improve them, um, but like I said, they're not tied to them. So if they're like, listen, like our offense is extremely handcuffed with this guy's ability. Get rid of them, right? Move on to something else. They have that that luxury because they aren't tied to that quarterback. Um, I love that hire. I don't like how the hire was made um, with some of the reports that came out um, recently with uh, Coach Flores. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure why another head coach in the NFL has information or access to a guy getting hired before interviews and the process is done. That to mm-hmm. me is shameful. Um, so I don't like how the hire happened, but I like the hire. Um, in terms of the other ones, I think probably my favorite hire outside of Doug Peterson, which, by the way, I think that's a phenomenal hire. One, because I love Doug. Two, I think he's a, a very underrated coach. But three, he built a relationship with Trevor Lawrence this past offseason when he was going through the draft process and everything like that. Um when Doug was actually looking into other head coaching jobs. Um, Doug has relationships down south there in Florida. Um, so he has that kind of already immediate connection, immediate relationship with his young star quarterback. I think that's going to help. And we all know that Doug is big on his relationships with his pre- players. That's just one thing. Um, and actually, like for me as a coach, like that's that's something that I cherish is my relationships. That is Number one for me, coaching X's and O's is, you know, that's an add-on bonus. And I think that's exactly how Doug is. And I think that's exactly how a head coach needs to be um, when you have young star players to be able to connect with them, get on their level, talk with them in a way that they can understand. Doug has that, man. He has that. I think that's a phenomenal hire. Outside of that, I'd probably say Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. I think that's going to be a solid situation. I think McDaniel, I think he is going to show people that he learned from his previous mistakes. Remember, he only got two years, I think it was, in in Denver before they let him go, right? He only lasted two years. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he took a freaking quarterback out of Florida who had no business being drafted. Whoa, 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 whoa. The T-Bone Slander. He won a playoff game. I'm just saying. Yeah, the Steelers defense fell asleep. They fell asleep for 30 seconds. They fell asleep. And and Mary Thomas went to the end zone. You know, Who threw the ball, though? 
Rest in peace, DT. Um, but I think he's going to come out and show. And with Derek Carr, um, with some of the guys that they have offensively, I think if they add some weapons in the offseason in Oakland there, uh, keep adding that youth um, to their defense, um, I think you're going to see a huge improvement because look what they did with the talent and the the guys that they have on their roster towards the end of the year this year. And I know a lot of it had to do with they were kind of rallying around the situation that happened. They're rallying around, you know, the coach, you know, that they had that kind of stepped in, which he did a phenomenal job, which I'm really surprised that he didn't get a higher consideration to stay as that head coach. Um, But I think you're going to see some big improvements and coming from new England, where you really look at it. He had to run numerous different like offenses, the styles in new England, you know, a couple different styles with Tom Brady. Based on weapons that he had, he had multiple tight end sets. He had a, a, a ridiculous, you know, slot receiver um, for a few years there, a couple years. Um, you know, then he transitions to Mac Jones, totally different quarterback, right? Come more run heavy. So he has that versatility, that knowledge of, of installing, running efficiently different offenses. I think that's going to really impact the way that he kind of coaches the Raiders, Um I think you're going to see a big difference in his style of head coaching this time around, obviously, than previous. All right. So um, I think your last point on the Raiders adding talent, that's a pretty uh, good segue into the mock draft segment. Just Um, real quick before the mock draft just got a notification. The Nets are open to trading Harden before the deadline to the Sixers. Please, for the love of God, get, get him off the out team, of Philadelphia. Dude. Oh my God! I'm I've, so been, tired. I've been. I don't know if you guys noticed me scrolling, but I've been trying to get all the details on this for like the last five minutes. Like <laughs> I'm right here, bro. <laughs> you know I how on the, you know how quiet. you know how you know how on the iPhone 13 it just says like the app and the notification. Mm-hmm. Like I just open my phone and that's what the breaking news is. Yep, there it is, dude. I just please make it happen, Daryl. Please get this man. Messi's untouchable. Messi's untouchable. I'm just, I'm I see how it is, guys. I go, I go into a long soliloquy, and you don't pay attention this. to work about the NBA. That's all right. <laughs> I, I was listening. You're totally right. Totally. I, I heard, I heard the Tebow slander. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> as soon as that happened, he shut me off. Before just, we, yeah, ears perked up. Before we jump into the mock draft, and I'm not gonna go off on the tangent or anything. I just want to say. I read that. Well, I didn't read the entire article, but the uh, latest Ben Simmons article on a uh, Ramona from Ramona Shelburne. Oh my god! The guy, I <laughs> the Shaq Isn't stuff too. She, like, I, defending him. Always, she's always defending him. She said, "Oh, know, they I need to she... be nicer to him." I'm, I'm Doc just shamelessly defended him all year, even through the series until literally the last game. So yeah. his shameless defending all year meant nothing after one game. And then, oh, Doc was supposed to show up after Ben blocked his number and said, don't contact Bro, me. Bro, they, they were texting and calling him the entire offseason. They, they booked a flight. They booked a flight. What does he think? He's LeBron? Yeah. Like, they booked a flight. They booked a flight to come see him. And what did he tell his teammates? Not to come. So, like, I don't understand it. Yeah. Just like, just like the tweet. It's, it's the entitlement, man. Like, who does, just like we, you just said, who does he think he is? Like, he should own an NFL franchise the way he acts. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That was good. That was good. That was a good one. 
All right, why don't we act like we uh we 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 are the GMs for some uh NFL franchises then? How about that segue? That one. Do. It wasn't as good as mine. That's okay. We'll take <laughs> I'm it. I'm doing my best here. All right. <laughs> <laughs>